broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia. It's time for Business Writers Radio. Now, here are your hosts. Welcome to another exciting and informative edition of Business Writers Radio. Stone Peyton Lee Cantor in the studio here with you. How you doing, man? I am doing great. Um, I saw the email from the Phillipses that, uh, that we're saving the date for the Business Writers Conference in April of next year in Birmingham. Birmingham, that is going to be a lot of fun. We're going to be broadcasting live there, and I think we need to try to sit in on some of those sessions as well because we need to get another book out. That's right. That Business Writers Conference, the one we attended in Blairsville, was uh, quite a show. It was, and they have several boot camps coming up between now and then. I think they have one going on right now, or maybe it starts tomorrow, but then it isn't the next one in late October, and then maybe every other month leading up to. And yeah, and then April. they're starting in Georgia, but then they're, I think in January, they're in Seattle, and February, they're in San Diego. All right, so we should do the Seattle one. Yeah, try to get on that. Market. Let's make that happen. <laughs> well, no, we're coffee people, right? That's right. That could That's be fun. Mecca for us. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, this is going to be a fantastic show today. Studio Chock Full. We have three published authors. We'll get to them all, we promise. But first up on Business Writers Radio this afternoon, it is my distinct pleasure to introduce from the topstoryleadership.com, Mr. Mac. Story, how are you, buddy? I'm doing well, sir. Thank you guys for having me on today. Now, Matt, can you uh, share a little bit about your background? How'd you get, uh, what you know, in your business? My background is actually manufacturing. I started out on the front lines of manufacturing as a machine operator and worked my way up, up into upper management. And then I developed through process improvement, leading cross-functional teams. I developed a passion for leadership. And mm-hmm. 2008, I st- stepped out of the corporate world and started my own consulting business, and today it's only leadership that I do. Now, how did the book fit into all this? Uh, This book, I've actually got eight books now. This book is the Blue Collar Leadership book, which you guys were talking about. Is is just That's really my passion. Is I wanted to create something that I don't think exists is something for the frontline people, the entry-level people, Mm -hmm. because that's where I've spent my life, and I know how much potential those people have, and they've got a lot of them. I I escaped, and I want to help some of the others (laughs) escape. So... Are you suggesting that leading blue-collar people really is uh, different? No, sir. It's, it's exactly the same. Uh, okay. The, the principles are the same in leadership. What, happened, what I did was I created a book that says, this is for you, and, and it makes them feel included. And, and the reception of it's been pretty impressive. And then I had some people, which is exactly the opposite of why I did blue-collar leadership. They said, uh, we'd love to do that. I was over at Cobb County, and we did some training with, with the, one of their groups on a half-day workshop. And they wanted that book, but she said the the director said everyone in our group is white collar. But I love the blue collar book. I read it, and so now <laughs> I've, I've created a, a you want to call it a white collar version, but it don't say that. It's generic. It's uh, maximize right. your potential is the name of it. It's so, almost the same exact stuff. But you're using this blue collar leadership series as a as kind of the platform of your business. Yes, sir. I finally got into that. I started out with that intention. It took me a while before I actually wrote the Blue Collar book. I started in 2013, then I stopped, and then I wrote these two uh, Blue Collar books this year. Uh, My wife inspired me one day. I said, what do I need to do this week? And I actually wrote that book in a week. Wow. I don't uh, spend a lot of time writing books. (laughs) Can you share a little bit about the system that you used in order to write a book in that short period of time? Yeah, that that book was the third book, so I've, I've learned a lot the first two times, and I've also learned my, my first book was about 200 pages, and mm-hmm. a lot of people still think that's too big, so I said, okay, I'll write half the size, <laughs> and, and I come up with the idea of 
30 chapters, three pages per chapter, because a lot of people use my books for teaching as well. So it makes it easy to, to use a 30, do a 30 day uh, book study. Oh, and, that's a great. And idea. people love them. And now they'll come up when we speak and they'll buy a whole stack. Oh, these are great little books. You can just read them so easy. And so trying to deliver it to the audience. And that's, I basically come up with my 30 chapters. Then I come up with 30 subtitles. And then I, 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 I read all the time, so I file a lot of quotes. I've got thousands of quotes from other leadership experts. Mm-hmm. And so I have an opening and closing quote for each chapter. And now I've kind of got this skeleton outline. Then all I have to do is fill in between the quotes till I got three pages of stuff. <laughs> Good stuff. So tell us a little bit about the work, because I'm operating under the impression that this is a great calling card. It's a good door opener and certainly uh, must supplement your work. But day to day, you're consulting, training. Is that accurate? Yes, sir. We, my wife and I, we work together. We. I'm sorry. No, actually, no. You, no. This is good for you. Yeah. This yeah. I mean, out. it's one of the it's one of the punchlines when we're speaking. Is I tell people, you you see people get married. You know, they're they're in love. That's why they're married. But I put my arm around and tell everyone we actually like each other. So, <laughs> so, so we use leadership principles to create the life we wanted instead of the one we were given. Her background's healthcare administration and mine's manufacturing. So, got white collar female speaker and blue collar. That's male great. speaker, and there's a lot of dynamic when we go speak. I'll bet. So, so, yeah, the books are, I'd say probably 80% of our income these days are related to the books. If, but not. But it's not the book itself. It's it's the it's doors that it opens or? Both. When You know, sometimes we speak, and we get paid really well to speak sometimes, and we still do a lot of complimentary speaking. But when we do complimentary speaking, we got 13 books over there, and, and, and the people like us, then that's another revenue stream. Or sometimes... Uh, you know, I drop off a, a a book with someone I meet. It's it's not that expensive when you do self publishing. Is that what you did? Or are all your books self published? Yes, sir. I, I like that because I like to control my content. I put a lot of my content I put on LinkedIn, so I can take a chapter and stick it on LinkedIn today if I want to make a blog out of that. I don't have to ask anybody. I just right. do it, and I really like being in control of my content. And then, um, can you share maybe a uh, what's the most you've ever sold to one company? Number of books? Uh, probably so far it's just 250. And 250? Yeah, we wow. signed 250 yesterday. And actually, mm-hmm. we'll be at the Marriott Marquis in downtown Atlanta next Thursday speaking to a group. Uh, and what they done was, it's another reason I like self-publishing. What they done was uh, they, they bought 250 books, but we, we create our own custom covers. So my wife offered them an opportunity you know, for a, a fee. We, we created a customized back cover. Oh, for their their company? Yeah, so they can thank all their guests. So, wow. And then we Very sign all cool the books. idea. Look at that. Yes. That's a great way to leverage it. That's probably not kind of in a typical author's toolkit. And, and we couldn't do that if we were not right. self-published. I mean, exactly. It, it don't take a lot of time. It takes some time. Sure. And our time's valuable, but it was a value-added thing for them. Did you realize going in how important having a book would be to kind of leverage in your career? Yeah, one of my mentors, not personally, although I've been trained by him a lot, is John Maxwell, mm-hmm. and uh, he's got over 80-something books. And one of the things we teach, and also I don't just teach what I teach, I also live it, and John is my model. And uh, that's one of the things he started out writing books. He said, just write the book. Don't wait. Just do it. Get good as you go. And, and that's what <laughs> you know. I started doing. And people seem to like my books. You know, They're not for everybody, but every one of them's for somebody, and you get all kind of reactions from it. Now, do you do open enrollment programs, you and your wife as well, or are they all uh, private in-house? Most of the time we do 
we go do private. We, uh-huh. we did some. It's, it's hard to go fill up a room. Full well, now, of yeah, you got now you got to make thirty five sales, right, or fifty sales, or whatever. You might you, it's, sometimes it's easier just to make one sale and then they'll fill the seats. Yes, we like doing that better. <laughs> <laughs> much much easier to. We like to just show up and and speak and. So how do you go to market? How do you get those clients? How do you promote yourself and your book? We're we're very organic. A lot of people ask, you know, how many books are you selling and. I don't really keep up with it because I don't really care. I, I write them to help people, and I love to write. I like to read about it, speak about it, and talk about it. So I write them as much for me as, as I do other people. We create email lists, but not to bombard people with sales. It's really to add value. I send out leadership lessons. I may have a picture of a book that comes out, but I'm I'm just I'm not a sales and marketing guy. I don't mm-hmm. want to be. I want to be a, a leadership expert that speaks about leadership. So. Word of mouth is is the best thing, and it's actually a chapter in that blue collar leadership book is. The, the key, uh, the secret to your success. And I'm trying to help the frontline entry level worker realize, and it applies to everybody. The principles are for everyone. And basically what it says is we're all working for ourselves. You get paid by someone else, but you're working for yourself. And when you realize that everyone is a customer and you start treating everyone like a customer, you start getting better results, especially the number one customer, the one giving you the, the, the pay, paycheck, right? right? Absolutely. <laughs> so now when you're talking about that, cause that's an interesting topic. Um, do you find that most blue collar uh, workers really get that? Or is that kind of a light bulb, light bulb aha moment? Like, wow, I didn't look at it that way. I always, you know, looked like I, you know, that I had a job or I need a job. And now you're telling them that they're, they're not kind of beholden to anybody that's their own career that they can take control of as much as they want to. Absolutely. And I, I see it a lot. There's something the light, I love when the light bulb comes on. I usually tell it, you know, within 10 minutes being in the room, if it's no more than 30 or 50 people and, and, and I like seeing the results. Those people actually start reading on their own. They start growing. Right. They grow within the company. One young man in a company I was at a few years ago where I went and did a lot of half-day workshops, he actually left the company. He grew faster than the company right. could allow him to grow. He moved from Alabama to Texas and doubled his pay, went from 50000 to 100000 And he, he called me up one day toward the end of the year and he said, Mr. Mack, he said, I got to tell you, man, I'm on the way to the bank. I said, what you doing on the way to the bank? You know, he don't ever call me. <laughs> right. I'm like, what, what, what's special about the bank? He said, I'm, I'm going to cash my $82,000 bonus check for the year. Yes. I said, you got paid $100,000. He said, $102,000, Mr. Mac. Plus, I got an $82,000 bonus check. Plus, I was superintendent of the year. And plus, I get to lead a, a, a leadership development program in this company. And he's the rookie. He's the new guy. And you said, you're calling me because you need an address to send your my commission, <laughs> right? <laughs> no. No, actually, I sent him a copy of one of these books, and I said, I got some more stuff for you. Because our country and our world need people to lead their lives better so they can help lead other people better. So what's next? You got more books coming out. Is there any thought toward maybe uh, with this foundation, maybe uh, doing a traditionally published book and also trying to capitalize on, on that end of the market? Or Potentially. I'd have to know how that works because I really haven't looked into it. Mm-hmm. And, and I really don't want to give up my content. To, to be at some, uh-huh. someone else's discretion, how I use it, I'd have to have to see it. But we do right. have more books. Uh, I've got a. I've just written a book called Phoenix, which is encourage, engage, empower. It's actually I. I kind of wrote it as a gift for a friend. I wrote. There's 30 chapters, 10 sections. I wrote the first two chapters of each section. It's, a, it's basically a transformation 101 book. And this friend of mine is a 28 year uh, military veteran and a wounded warrior, and he's he's about to start his own nonprofit and he's actually the book I wrote for him called Phoenix is going to be a part of his program called the Phoenix project. And it's, it's really to help take wounded warriors from the wounded warrior label to become part of the Phoenix force. And I kind of wrote it for him and 
that he gets 33% of the, of the profits from nice. it and he can use it to market. And is it because of the metaphor, analogy, allegory, whatever that word is, that the phoenix rises from the ashes? Is that where that's coming from? Yes, sir. We, wanna, cool. we, wanna, we don't want them to live the rest of their life as a, a wounded warrior. We want them to be part of the phoenix for I mean, would you rather have wounded warrior tattooed across your arm or this really cool phoenix that we have on the front of this book? <laughs> I like it. So back to the work for a moment before we uh, wrap this segment what exactly would you articulate as the key challenges or problems that you're solving? How do I know as a, as a leader in a company, hey, maybe I ought to pick up the phone and call, well, Mac's wife, not Mac. Mac's wife. <laughs> She's the boss. Right. What are those signals? My client is kind of rare. My perfect client are, are people like Chick-fil-A is one of our Truett Cathy's, I mean, one of the best models I know of, of leadership. Yeah. And Jimmy Collins, who was the president of Chick-fil-A for 30-something years underneath uh, Truett actually mentored me personally. He's he's a, I call him a friend, and he's written a couple of books. But my clients are kind of rare in the fact that I want a client who cares about their people because they're people, not employees, and because that's what I bring to the table. When I go into a company, th- those people love me because they know I care about them, and yeah. I get buy-in extremely quick. And a lot of times, the, their leaders don't want my model in their company because the people like me and then they don't like the leaders. <laughs> and, and, the, and the problem is with the leaders, most of the time they want me to come help the people, but that's already a sign. If the people need help, it means the leader needs help. And, right. And I can help all of them if they're willing to. But it's a little bit of a danger sign too. If they say, I'd like you to come in and I need you to fix this department or I need you to fix Bob. Right. That's <laughs> a little bit of a red flag, but mm-hmm. then, Hey, it happens. You laugh, Sam. I'm yeah. telling you, we hear that sometimes as consultants Absolutely. and speakers only. Yes or not. I'll yeah. come in and help them. And I tell them it's, it's my job to grow them, and I can grow them, but it's your job to keep them. <laughs> All right. Where can our listeners get their hands on, on this book and learn more about your work? Topstoryleadership.com. And before we uh, move on, I'd like one piece of advice for an aspiring author. Just do it. Do it today. I just had a client book me this week to help them build their own leadership brand, and that's what I'm doing for them is I just talked to her on Tuesday, and today... This morning, I had a, the first session with her, and from our first talk, she had already sent me the outline. And So, outline. I mean, just, just yeah, start. Just do it. Right. It's like, it's what I learned from John. If you want to write a book, how do you do it? One word at a time. <laughs> I love it. If you want to be a writer, write. Writers write. <laughs> speakers speak. All right. Hey, listen, can you hang out with us while we visit with our next two guests? Absolutely. I want to hear what these fine folks have to say. Fantastic. And we're going to leave your microphone open because you might have something to say about it. I'll, I'll, I'll be quiet. My wife says I talk too much. <laughs> All right. Next up on Business Writers Radio this afternoon, please join me in welcoming from the PVA, Miss Melissa Smith. Good afternoon, sunshine. Hello. How are you? I am doing well. What'd you learn in that last segment? You know, I'm totally going to take the idea of customizing the back cover. That is brilliant. Love it. So now can you share a little bit about your book and your work? Yes. So uh, I'm a virtual assistant staffer. I match clients to the mat to the right virtual assistant for their business, for their needs, to their niche. And I wrote the book because I can only reach so many people. I'm just one person. And a lot of people need to be educated on what virtual assistants do, where they are, how to find one, how to hire the right one. And I wanted to put out the book to help people and really solidify myself as the expert in the field. Now, do you find that most people, uh, especially in today's world where a lot of people are solopreneurs or entrepreneurs kind of on their own, that they spend too much of their time doing non-revenue producing work instead of the stuff that makes them money? Oh, absolutely. It's the 70-30 rule. You should be spending 70% 
70% of your time on things that actually generate income or are building new ideas, those relationships, following up on leads, and 30% of the time should be devoted to the things that are just the cost of doing business. But most business owners are spending 30% of their time on uh, revenue generating income streams and 70% of their time doing work that is not the best use of their time. That's not why they went into business in the first place. No one said, oh, I'm going to go into business so I can learn to write code unless that's their business. <laughs> right. But many business owners are doing that in their, in their spare time. So now when you're working with a virtual assistant, is this something that um, you got to spend a long period of time getting them up to speed? I think that's what a lot of people's fear is that you're going to spend so much time training them that you know, by the time you you could have done it yourself, the work that you were going to, you know, kind of delegate to them. Correct. That is not the case when you're working with a virtual assistant. If you're working with the right one, they're experts in their field. They are not catch-alls. They, they do that one or two thing um, that they specialize in over and over again. So whether it's editing or proofreading, lead pages, WordPress, you, you know, thinking about authors and, and writers, getting people booked on you know, podcasts mm-hmm. and, and radio shows, whatever it is, that's what they do all day long. They know the ins and out of it. They go to conferences. They have their own professional development. So when you work with them, they're ready to go from day one. It's just a matter of, is that the right person for you? Is that the niche that you're going into? So for instance, if someone wanted to go into that field and, and wanted to promote um, leaders like Mac, that's what they do all day. They know how to get those people on those shows and in the right company and get their face in front of the right people that are looking for leaders. If they're working for Sam and they want to know like who needs the money, who's want, who wants the money, who's looking for the money, you know, who are Sam's uh, go-to people, clients, potential people. Those are two different markets and they know where those markets are. That's their niche. If you're talking about health or um, food or blogging, those are different areas. And there's a, there's a VA for every one of those markets. So I read your book over the weekend. As a consequence, one of the things that's going to happen <laughs> is you have a meeting with Lee and I after this show to talk about uh, VAs. But one of the things that really stood out for me was the, the distinction you made between a, a VA and an EA. Can, can you speak to that just a little bit more? Yes. So my background is actually in executive assistant, which is an EA. And an EA is a catch-all. They serve multiple people in the office, one mission. They just do it all from answering the phones to event planning to bookkeeping, you name it. There is no limit to what task gets thrown on their desk. A VA is the exact opposite. They do one or two things and they do those things only. And that's how they become the expert. That's why there is no learning or or training curve. When you hit the ground with them, they're ready to go. And they are helping you along with the process. They are telling you how things get done and, and coaching you along the way. So now, as a typical client of yours, they don't have an EA. They have they might have several VAs though that to help them with specific needs they might have. Correct. Uh, you can have a team of VAs. Uh, there's a virtual project manager. So if you have a business and you have multiple projects going on at once, and you don't want to have to check in with four or five different VAs, or maybe you don't even want to check in with two or three different VAs, you can have a virtual project manager, and they will contact all those VAs, keep everyone on their timeline, know what's going on, and then you're just checking in with one person. And they're the ones who are juggling the five balls maybe in the air. That's correct. 
And so are you someone who feels that, uh, I wrote down VPM. I don't know if that's appropriate. I had to uh, use that term. Okay. It, are, are you someone who functions as that person or is your role day-to-day more helping us find a VPM or one or more VAs? My role is to help you find one. Okay. So you you help us find them. Correct. And help us think through how to contract with them and, and that type of thing too, or, or get us you, you help us figure out how to negotiate a contract and that? So um, I do, I serve multiple roles with my clients. So one I figure out is virtual assistants really right for you. Some people, it's not a good fit for them. Figure out what their expectations are because we want to meet the expectations and exceed them and, and go beyond that and really dig deep because at the surface, it may be, you know, if someone could just return my emails, that would be fabulous. But when you get down to the deeper level, there are things that people want to implement in their business. There's things that they've wanted to do, but they haven't done yet. And it's because they don't have those accountability partners. They have don't know where to start. They feel like they have to get everything ready before they can hand it over. It's like cleaning the house before the maid comes, right? You don't have to do <laughs> That's that. That's a great analogy. So uh, we work, I work with them to go through all that. I make my recommendation on what type of VA they should start with because we want to make an impact now. We want you to feel a release of time and energy that you can start devoting to things that you really care about and that you want to work on so that someone else can do that. And then we start uh, looking forward to the future. Like, what will this VA do? Maybe another VA will come on board within six months and, and go from there. Um, I do all the VA search. Uh, I do all the vetting. I check the backgrounds and recommendations. Then I narrow it down to two or three potential VAs. I set up the interviews. I give you the questions to ask. You do the interview process. You let me know who you like, who you didn't like. If it's uh, for writers, a lot of times when we narrow it down, there's also content. So we'll take a piece of your work and we'll have them edit it and see how they're, if they have your voice or not and mm-hmm. you know have that process. So you already have that to go on. Then I do help you negotiate the contract if that's the case. If it's a really good price, I'm like, hey, let's lock this person in. If it's project, then I make sure the expectations are set. If it's an ongoing case, then I make sure that you know everything's written out. For instance, if someone says, yeah, I'm going to hire mm-hmm. uh, the VA and the VA has their contract um, social marketing management. Well, that's really broad. I don't know what that means. Does that mean you're writing content, you're pushing things out, you're reading analytics, you're posting things for me, you're commenting and replying to the people that are commenting on my posts and likes? We need to write all that out. We need to know exactly what's going on. And then after that, I help them with the onboarding process and check in and make sure that they're doing things right. Um, are they delegating enough? Are they over-delegating? Are they seeing the impact that they want? You know, is that... And I help them work through the process between working with a, a VA for the first time or working with a VA... Um, Maybe they've had them in the past and like this is a new experience for them. So some people, especially when working with general office admins, they're afraid that they're crossing like a personal boundary. They're like, oh, you know, I don't know. I have this personal stuff, but it's, I would really be great if the VA could do this too. Like, can they book my personal travel? Can like they compare my insurance rate? Can they, you know, I'm like. As long as the check clears. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, it does, it's all the same. You know, it's, it's all the right. same. Now let's talk about the book a little bit. So you were having to explain this every time like you're having to do with us here, right? So right. you said, you know <laughs> what? Lots, lots of education. Lots of education going <laughs> on. Let me just write it all down and just say, here. <laughs> Read is, this. Is so, that, call me. Yeah. so that was at the crux of the, that's why you, you did the book? Yeah, there's so much misconception about what a virtual assistant is. And the term itself is so broad. It really doesn't explain what we do. It only explains how we do it. Right. And so... I really wanted to educate people on what a virtual assistant can do for you, why you need one, where to find one, how to write a job description, how to attract the right people 
to you. Now, but now that you have the book, do you find it, it's a, a sales and marketing tool as well as an education tool? Absolutely. And in fact, I had a different audience really reach out to me that I wasn't expecting. So my fellow VAs and even admins have reached out to me from the book. I didn't write it for them. I wrote it for our potential clients and and customers, but they reached out to me and said how much they enjoyed it, how much they loved it. And now my next book will be geared towards them. And then the way that Mac was describing how he utilizes his books, is there a is, are you doing it the same thing? Like, are, are you going to kind of associations maybe that have a bunch of entrepreneurs and saying, here, we can, I can get, you know, sell you a hundred of these or 500 for your members? Um, I haven't done that for small business associations, admin organizations. I've been doing that with, with them. So there's a, a couple of admin organizations that will have year end events. So I'm right. in talks with them right now about having the book ready for them. So it's, it's in the process of getting ready for a print version right now. So did you just sit down and just gush forth and get it all on paper? Or did you have a very organized approach? I'm going to write. I bet it was organized. Two chapters today. and Well, I just, I, I, I bet you're right, but I got to ask. It was very organized. Like Mac had said, you know, he's not into the sales and marketing side of it. Writers fall into two categories. Either you're the writer or you're the sales and marketing person. So I wrote the book in 30 days. That wasn't a problem. The sales and marketing side of it was not the fun side for me. And I definitely hired and worked with VAs. So from formatting to editing, cover design, helping me with the analytics on Amazon. Um, it's uh-huh. a system and a process. It was very important to have that um, installed. But I, before I wrote my book, I used that same process and worked with two other authors to oh, have them write their books. Helpful. It was very mm. fun. I, I mean, I, I love books. I love reading. I love authors and, and to be around writers. And so it there's a it, there's a great system out there if people want to be on a real Amazon system to get your book to bestseller. And it's called Book Launch. It's free. It's on Audible. You can download it. It's a complete system. And then that's something that you can hire a VA to help you execute on, right? Right. And that's why my clients hired me. Of course, I did help them uh, outsource and and get VAs to do design and editing and formatting and and look at the different things on Amazon. But apart from that, they still had other work that they had to do. They had to find the time to write and the energy to have a full day and to write. So doing other tasks from their their daily work and, and researching for them and helping them do things that weren't necessarily author and writer related, but was in their business right now. So there's a lot of writers out there that they don't have a desire to go and speak or they don't have a desire to write full time, but is a definite bucket list thing for them to write a book. Just tell their story, tell somebody. And what holds them back is, well, if I do that, something else is going to suffer. Something else has got to give. And there's an accountability piece in there. And when you have someone that believes in you and, and then is accountable to you, it helps. It's how we write books. Now, I asked Mac this, and I'd like to ask you uh, if you have a piece of advice for an aspiring writer. Just start writing and don't edit. Just write. Put it all out. Don't edit a bit. You will kill yourself in editing. Just start writing. When you're done, then we start the editing process. Do you find that it helps to get kind of fresh eyes on it and hire an editor? 
Yes. Don't even think about editing yourself. It's it's impossible. It's impossible. Because <laughs> it says what you want it to say, right? You, right. <laughs> I mean, really, you think about it. Your brain is, is geared. Yeah. It's much smarter than you think it is sometimes. And you will gloss over things that are huge errors. All right. I thought we addressed uh, one concern that may sometimes be overtly expressed and sometimes people won't share so quickly. And that's this idea that I'm going to have to spend so much time just getting a VA up to speed. Mm -hmm. The other concern that strikes me that I think people are probably, you know, at least thinking about when they're initially talking with you, everybody except Sam, because he knows about how to get money, <laughs> is money. You know, how much is this going to cost me? Am I going to, is this going to be expensive getting one or more of these VAs, can you address that? Give us a little bit of an idea of what we can expect to budget for that kind of thing or how to approach it. Uh, VAs are a great economical way to work and get help um, editing. So, I mean, whether it's someone who is moonlighting as a VA, those can be really great deals if, if cost is a big concern for you mm -hmm. because they have full-time jobs. So they are looking to say, hey, I just need some side money. They don't need to cover their own, you know, taxes and health insurance and other right. you know, overhead expenses. So those are great ways. But most of the things that you'll need, like cover design and formatting, uh, editing, those are all things that are packaged. They're not hourly. So as long as you know your word count, and if you have a, a smaller book, less, you know, than two, like a hundred pages, it brings the cost way down. So, you know, you're, you're looking at, you know, for formatting for my book for ebook and print was $110. Oh, wow. Fantastic. Yeah. All right. Where can our listeners get their hands on this book? I got one, a Kindle, but there's also, you can get a print vi uh, version as well. The print version will be ready by the end of October Okay. on um, Amazon. So you can go to Amazon. It's called How to Hire the Right VA or How, How to Hire the Right Virtual Assistant. You can go to my website, thepva.com, and there's a link there as well. All right. And uh, step one in that whole process, I guess they reach out to you and have a, a phone conversation with you to, and you kind of help them figure out what to do next. Yep. We'll have a phone conversation. I We'll go through a series of questions and really dig deep about how and when a virtual assistant is right for you and make my recommendations. And it's all free. It's all complimentary. And I have to tell the listening audience, in all seriousness, and I don't always do this, I don't have to, when we host a show like this, I don't have to buy a book unless I really want to read it. <laughs> uh, and we met you at the Business Writers Mixer yes. you know, that we did a, a week or two ago, and Jack and, and, and Patty were there. I went and got the Kindle version over the weekend. And I got to tell you, it was worth the read. Some of it was kind of singing to the choir because Lee and I are pretty much decided we're going to do this VA thing. But it really helped uh, justify in my mind why we're going to make this move. And I think we probably will be looking at multiple VAs. So I encourage those of you who are listening, de definitely go out now and get to Kindle. And when the print's available, maybe, maybe do that as well. well and like I said, much. We're going to visit after the show. Stone, yes. I, I got to add something. Yes, sir. I, I had the privilege of meeting Melissa out in, in you know, out in the lobby, and uh, I got to tell these view these listeners what what her card says. I really like it. It says, "I create time, you make more money," <laughs> <laughs> and, and that'll lead right on into Mr. <laughs> Sam. Over there. Well, yeah, now I don't have to introduce Sam. That was a fantastic segue. It is. Are you ready for the headliner, Lee? Let's go. <laughs> That's oh. what we always say. So the third guy doesn't feel like, "Hey, I've been sitting here for twenty minutes." <laughs> <laughs> it is time now on Business Writers Radio this afternoon to introduce the author of Get Access to Capital, Mr. Sam Lexima. How are you, man? I'm doing great today. Thank you for asking. You know, it's great to have you on the show today because who doesn't want access to capital, right? True, <laughs> true. <laughs> and it says on your website, I think, that you help me get money. 
we, uh, we actually provide working capital to a lot of small businesses um, all over the nation, primarily here in Atlanta since, since we're local. Mm-hmm. Um, and the idea for the book came about because we were, honestly, we being my wife and I, who's my business partner, we got sick and tired of uh, declining a lot of applications that with a few small tweaks would have been approved. Mm-hmm. And so, there, so you, um, just like Melissa, you did it to educate your audience? Yes, I forgot which company it was that uh, the spokesperson used to say the best customers and educated customers or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, we find that the more education our customers have, regardless of the size of their business, mm-hmm. the easier it is to provide funding for them because now they understand the steps that a lender is looking at in order to approve them. But your business, you're actually the lender as well, or you just are the kind of helping them find a lender? No, we do both. Um, we we provide capital ourselves. We are direct lenders. Uh, my wife and I actually started out uh, providing working capital to real estate investors like ourselves. That that was our primary business. Um, we used to be hard money lenders. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, we used to rehab property, and we found smaller investors that needed rehab. We had the money. It was a great way to get so a So you can deal. spot me till payday, like right now. <laughs> <laughs> You're not a payday lender. <laughs> but as the business started to grow, we had people within our sphere, our circle, who had small businesses that needed funding. And uh, we were getting some great yields on the loans that we made. As our business grew, we created partnerships with larger institutions. So for much larger loans, we will definitely broker those out. So now uh, you mentioned that uh, you were meeting people or uh, that were representing companies that were they should have maybe gotten the funding if they had gone a traditional bank route or an SBA route, but they were just filling out the forms wrong or they were... It's not only filling out the forms. One of the things that, uh, one of the biggest reasons I wrote the book is a lot of small business owners have no idea that um, appealing to a lender, the first thing most lenders will do is they'll run your business through what they call a business credibility test. And I know that we're working in a gig economy right now. So folks run their businesses off their cell phones and their laptops. And, but traditional lenders, which every lender will tell you, I'm a traditional Mm -hmm. lender. uh, They, have certain things that they look for. Like I'll drop a couple for you. Your, uh, if your phone number is not listed in nationwide 411, you won't pass the credibility test. If your corporate address mm. is not listed somewhere, because everyone does a Google Earth search, right? Mm. If it's not listed somewhere that is considered commercial, um, you probably won't pass the credibility test. And um, the biggest one also is that uh, lenders, I mean, they really just want to find you. So the first part is sort of a pageant. How do you look to lenders on paper first? <laughs> right. You know, secondly, are you listed with Dun & Bradstreet? And there's a whole, there are very specific things that you need to do in order to be listed with Dun & Bradstreet. Lenders want to see continuity. They want to know that they can get their hands on you. <laughs> so now, like you mentioned that it's a gig economy. So a lot of people are, you know, I'm an Uber driver and I got six revenue streams doing a variety of you know, jobs, whether they're full-time, part-time contract, whatever they are, mm-hmm. that's going to be difficult then. And right. Which it is difficult because they're, you know, 1099 workers and right. a lot of it is based on themselves. We show a lot of our clients, our potential clients, how to position themselves, even as startups. I mean, you know, we, de- we demystify the whole concept of lenders don't want to give me money. I promise you, ladies and gentlemen, lenders want to give you money. <laughs> they don't make money if they don't hand out money. The key is how do you position yourself to be attractive enough, even as a startup, to receive some form of funding? 
So how, what do you do if you are, have an idea? I mean, I understand, like you mentioned, your backgrounds in real estate. Yeah. If I say I need to buy a building that has this equipment, a lender is more apt to lend on that because there's a building and there's equipment. There's but a, if you're like a service, you know, I'm a web designer. Perfect. We worked with a web designer. All right. So um, there's no, there are services, their brain and mm -hmm. intellectual capital. It isn't stuff. It, it isn't stuff. I mean, you'll be surprised. I mean, every small business needs equipment. And rather than using your own personal credit cards and your personal credit, you know, we help you to build a business credit profile so that you can walk into Apple. Like at one point, my wife and I had a tax service. I forgot it was like uh, 10 years ago, 12 years ago. And we uh, were able to get credit from Apple because we needed to open up an office. Most people think I've got to put all these, uh, these computers on my credit card. We got a line of credit from them and walked out of the store with about 75 computers to outfit an office. Wow. And the key is, and we were a complete startup at that point. The key is how do you position yourself? And that's, <clears> one, of the, that's one of the things that we cover in the book. We created it as a primer. Uh, for small, specifically small businesses to look behind the curtain. Now, how are you defining small business? Because I know your definition may not be what the government calls a small business. Mine is uh, businesses that are usually generating less than $5 million a year. And what's the, like, what does the SBA call a small business? Less than $50 million a year. <laughs> well, that's a good question. There's they're, a little bit of a distinction They're there, kind right? of disconnected from <laughs> right. reality. And that's true though, yeah. right? Yeah, it is. It is. All right. Now, did you write this thing yourself in collaboration with clients? And or did one of with... Melissa's friends help you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had uh, my my story is a little different. We 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 uh, at one point a year and a half ago found out I had chronic kidney disease, so I had to go on dialysis. And my wife had always encouraged me. She's like, put all this stuff that you know down on paper. Yeah, quick. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> that was her insurance policy. So, exactly. so now I had the time. So I would just literally start writing. When I got to the end of uh, just putting a bunch of stuff on paper, I did hire a more professional writer to help us put it uh, together. I'd like, like formatting and yeah. editing and making it look nice and stuff definitely, like that. Definitely. I'd like to say, by the way, I'm not on dialysis anymore. Well, just, congratulations. On June congratulations. 7th, I, got, I got a new kidney. Huh? Did you really? That's my donor right there. Wow. wow. <laughs> That's oh some commitment there. Yeah, no kidding. She likes you, Sam. <laughs> yeah. Forget the ring. Yeah, that, exactly. that's what... <laughs> so was there a chapter or two that, that came together really easy for you and maybe a chapter or two that you really struggled with or did it all just kind of come forth for you? It, 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 a lot of it kind of flowed. I think anyone who has been in whatever line of business that they're in, you become a practitioner of your business. You can pretty much talk about it while you're sleeping. And I deal with this so much on a daily basis that I was just putting my thoughts down on paper. And my wife would grab the papers at the end of the day, and she's like, your grammar is horrible. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so you were, you were doing it by write, actually writing or typing, not by speaking? No, not by speaking. Mm -hmm. uh, but you didn't worry those. about the grammar. So you were just you were following Melissa's advice earlier. Not editing. You were just getting just it out. Just get getting out. it out. Just right? getting it out. It was, and surprisingly, I was an English major in school. <laughs> <laughs> You know, but no, I, I didn't have any difficulties um, writing it at all. I think anyone who has a knowledge base is not going to have a problem. If you treat the blank page like having a conversation with someone else, um, you'll pretty much just start writing it out. And the purpose of the book is to educate your market, but also as a kind of a place to start a conversation for a prospective client. Right? De definitely. Definitely. We like to hand them out mm -hmm. to folks because um, even established businesses, we were working with a caterer that was looking for a line of credit. And after assessing their business, we were like, wow, you've got so 
many parts missing. You might want to read the book first <laughs> before we actually put you through an application process mm-hmm. and all. Um, so we definitely use it as a way to educate uh, current clients, potential clients. That was the biggest reason for writing the book. And then in your business, you want to have a conversation with a company like the caterer to help them get that line of credit. Definitely. Right? That's a portion of part of your business. Right? Definitely. And they're getting bombarded on a daily basis on Facebook and on, on other social media. A ton of companies are offering them all kinds of money. They're getting it, you know, offers in the mail, but they have no idea what it takes to qualify for all these offers that are coming up. Mm-hmm. And so they, they, they kind of empty their, their uh, six shooter into f- filling out all these applications and they get declined. And then they get depressed. And that hurts them later, that right? That hurts them later. Uh-huh. Yeah. So we 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 wrote the book to give them literally the blueprint. And the best chance to be successful in getting the funds they need. Definitely. And hopefully they'll work with us. <laughs> <laughs> now, you chose to self-publish as well. I think everyone here this afternoon uh, is self-published, at least for the books that we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, rationale by, behind that. And uh, will you do that on the next one or do you know yet? No, 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 I will continue to self-publish. Uh, okay. Um, I have a lot of friends that work in the music industry, so I've, 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 I've had a firsthand view of the difference between um, a larger corporation giving you money up front in order to ply your trade and those who have taken the independent route. Um, the independent route has, has been severely more profitable for <laughs> those that know what to do. If you understand sales and marketing and also controlling your own content, which, uh, so be your own said. label. That's your uh, be your own be label. label. Exactly. Be your <laughs> yeah. own label. But you not know? to be confused with do your own editing, do your exactly. own illustration. Exactly. No, no, no. You know, don't outsource. Your... Outsource. Right. Outsource that. <laughs> <laughs> outsource those things. Definitely. So now, if somebody wanted to get a hold of the book uh, website, oh, they can go to getaccesstocapital.com, Click on the free book tab. We actually give the book away. All they have to do is pay for uh, shipping. Because um, we want to get it into the hands of as many business owners as possible, and those uh, for your show, those who go and download or uh, who go and actually uh, get the book, uh, we've provided a link. I did a, a seventy-minute session with a group of small business owners that we were coaching, mm-hmm. um, and we put all we put all the video out so folks can get a taste of. I mean, the first process, business credibility. They actually get to see the steps that we take everybody through. It's uh, seven videos. 10 minutes a piece. We just give it away for free to anyone who uh, gets the book. Good stuff. And then that's the website as well, getaccesstocapital.com. Getaccesstocapital.com, yes, sir. And that's the name of the book, mm-hmm. name of the website. Yes, sir. There you go. Man, three great books, three fantastic authors. I am so glad that we got this segment. Well, I want to ask him, I asked everybody else, yeah. what is your tip for an aspiring writer? First of all, definitely just do it. Mm-hmm. Do not be afraid of the blank page. Treat writing like a one-on-one conversation with whoever your potential audience is. If you act like someone's in front of you, you're pretty much just going to start writing. Excellent counsel. Thank you. (laughs) And fantastic job of bringing it all home for us this afternoon. Thank Thank you, you, Sam. Thank you. All right. Until next time, this is Stone Payton for Lee Cantor, our fearless producer, Ryan Redhawk McPherson, our guest this afternoon, and everyone here at the Business Radio X family saying we'll see you next time on Business Writers Radio.